You're listening to the Mobcast Network. Welcome to the Cult Movie Cantina. This is the podcast that takes a look at our favorite cult films, introduces them to someone who's not seen them, pairs them with a great alcohol beverage, and then we talk about it. Hello, cultist. How's everybody doing? Well, we're missing one. Yeah. We're missing one. We have one cultist. Stephanie is on her way back. Our Lady of Libations is on her way back from um, Japan. She, yeah. I wonder how that's going, because on her way out there, she had to... She had a nightmare trip from what I understand. I guess she'll talk, talk about that in the cult meeting. Oh, I didn't know that. I just knew that she had the layover, but I didn't... No, was they, she had the layover, and they changed planes on her, and all kinds of other oh, stuff. Oh, goodness. Yeah, she... I'm looking she, forward to it. She had an adventure. I'm your uh, your host, your Native American pop culture spirit guide, Scotty, and I'm joined by... Justina. Or she who knows no movies. <laughs> You will have to use that introduction. <laughs> we'll, get you, we'll get you a shirt. Okay. We'll get you a shirt. Okay. This week, we have a guest. Inverse Press's Kevin Laporte. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks, Scotty. Thanks for inviting me in. Glad to be part of the hostage swap with uh, <laughs> Stephanie. <laughs> so what happened? Did she get in trouble with the Yakuza again? I can't speak to that. I was just placed here and told to do this podcast do in, her, in our money? place. And they both owe money to the Yakuza. I mean, comic, no, you, know, you make comics. I mean, that's a tough business. It takes a lot of money. A lot of Japanese money, apparently. I feel like he's trying to fill some really big shoes right now. And then on the spot, we should have him come up with a drink just to see how he does. <laughs> Since I've never imbibed alcohol at all in my life, that's going to be really fun. <laughs> I second that. I'm almost curious about how this would yeah, go. Yeah. Gonna, we'll, we'll go with Stephanie. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, the Lady of Librations did record uh, some nice drinks before she left, so uh, you will hear that at the appropriate time. So this week we watched Event Horizon from 1997. You can listen to the trailer here. A haunted ship. I'm getting some really strange readings in here. A missing crew. This place is a tomb. DJ, where are you? An infinite evil. This ship has been beyond the boundaries of our universe. Who knows what it's brought back with it? Vacate! I want off this ship. You can't leave. She won't let you. Event Horizon. Rated R. So, Event Horizon came out in 1997 was directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, uh, written by Philip uh, Eisner. It stars Lawrence Fishburne as Captain Miller, Sam Neill as Dr. Weir, Kathleen Quinlan as Peters, jo- uh, Jolie Richardson as uh, Stark, Richard T. Jones as Cooper, who is my favorite character in the movie, uh, Jason Isaacs as DJ or Harry Potter's villain's dad. Uh, Malfoy. Malfoy, there we okay. go. Okay, uh, Sean uh, Party is Smith and Joe uh, Jack Noseworthy as Justin. Uh, would you care to sum this movie up? I just really love that it has a Harry Potter character in it because it still ties into everything that I do. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well done. I don't know if that was intentional or not. It was intentional. Uh, so it was a video game. Let's start there because it, <laughs> it resembled multiple video games. And essentially, there were bad guys and you had to defeat the bad guy. And then one person left, two people left, you know, done. So it's every horror movie ever made. Yeah, yeah, except Super Metroid, 
<laughs> it was kind of there's some Super Metroid in it. There was I kept waiting for the big brain in the case that you had to shoot and break the glass, <laughs> and then it was just floating, and then you had to shoot the eye. Right. That didn't happen, nope. but kind of. But sort kind of. of. Sort of. Well, super Lawrence Fishburne is navigating uh, all that to get to Little Bear and <laughs> jumping across empty space. That reminded me of those old video games like Metroid and <laughs> Mario Brothers. <laughs> I don't remember the time Mario caught Luigi in Zero Gravity. But but I stopped playing them after Mario 3, so I don't know what happened after he got the raccoon It depended on what pipe after you got down, the Scott, Or what pipe you smoked. I can't remember. It all involves a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kevin, you want to take a shot at synopsis? Um, I'm going to say Clive Barker at the height of drunkenness and drug-addled fever Ooh, taking nice. a stab at uh, the first scene in Hellraiser 4, uh, but turning it into a whole movie. Hellraiser 4 is also on the list of things that I think we should do. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> Bloodlines is, is well, easily the best Hell, Hellraiser movie to me. Uh, we'll have you back on for that. <laughs> so. You know, if we need something in space and hell, what is called Kevin. Uh-uh. That's that pretty much sums up my taste in movies, Scotty. <laughs> All right. So my synopsis is: After an experimental starship returns from uh, being missing for seven years, a rescue team is sent to investigate. Once on board, strange things happen, revealing that the ship may have vanished into the depths of hell and wants to go back. Dun dun dun! It really does. It's determined. So let's start at the beginning because that's where the good place to start is. Uh, we are first introduced to Dr. Weir, played by Sam Neill. So, you know, uh, the dude from Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. He rode that way for a long time <laughs> after Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> so I was like, so, uh, and he's a, he is a engineer, uh, and he's designed this crazy new warp drive, is the best way to explain it, faster than light engine. And then he put it on this one spaceship, and then it went missing. And suddenly it's back, and they got to go rescue it. And in in between that time, his wife killed herself, and that comes up a few times. A few, <laughs> or a See, lot. I couldn't tell if that was real or if that was the ship messing with him. There was a lot of times where I'm like, I, "What really happened?" And what is just them making it look like it happened? See, I think it, I, th- I think in that case. I think it's a little of both. I, I really think it's the ship messing with him, but I think there's a strong parent appearance of the, of the dead, blind, eyeless <laughs> wife. Well, he was dreaming about her when he was in cryo sleep. So he was. obviously there Correct. was something. Either yeah. he had a nightmare about it, um, and then the ship took that and ran with it, or it really happened and it was just it kept bringing didn't it like up. the little picture, and he woke up and he took the picture and like put it with all the other pictures. Yeah. Right, right. That right. was this movie, right? Okay, cool. <laughs> I was just making sure I remembered the, the beginning, right? So, so, so it obviously sticks out with him. Yeah. Um, he, uh, like I said, they have found the event horizon. Is, it is uh, kind of hanging out near Neptune. Kind of kind of discovery-like out of from 2010. Just, you know, it's in Jupiter. This one's hanging out in Neptune. <laughs> we just like to abandon starships around random planets. It made for great visuals, though. I mean, it's a beautifully shot film. Right. I love to watch the movie, oh, yeah. regardless of the plot. It's just really nice to right. watch. Right. I mean, and the, and the ship itself, its design was uh, based on uh, Notre Dame, 
And so everything had these beautiful buttresses and you know and and stained glass kind of looking things. And it's you know they were very conscious of what they're doing. And in fact, when you look at it from above, it does kind of favor a crucifix. And a construction worker burned it down at the end, so it does a lot in common with Notre Dame. That's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> There's some similarities there too. Too soon, man. Too soon. <laughs> So maybe it did come back from hell and presage what happened in Paris this year. Um, <laughs> we then we meet uh, Morphe, Morpheus, your Morpheus, favorite, your favorite person. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne is Captain Miller, and he has a ship full of salvage rescue team guys, and he's got a whole team, that, and that's what they're going to go do. I um, found it fascinating that they all didn't get the break they were promised. And they had to fly this ship through space and didn't find out why until after they had already gotten through space halfway. That's kind of a common theme in these. Like, Alien does the same thing. A lot of bait and switch, and you really get screwed. (laughs) Yeah, like, they all wake up and they're like, you're going to tell me why we just flew light years to get here? And it's... Did you not want to ask that question before you got on board? No, they, you, no. Before you got on board, you weren't like, what's going on? You just went along. Yeah, Why Martin's not? It's like, oh, all right, it's another mission. But and then they got all pissed off. They're like, oh, oh, I wouldn't have agreed. But we're here. So <laughs> but we're here. Let's let us all die. Let's go. I don't think I paid well. Why I mean, not? I mean, I mean, I guess no one technically got paid because I think everyone perishes. No, no. Well, yeah. No, yeah. at the end, there's two survivors. No, no. At the, no, end, at the end, end. In the movie, the door shuts on everybody and goes credits. Like, like the, yeah. It, it leaves it open to mm-hmm. potentially them all Coop dying. Made it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> everybody else can die, but Coop needs to make it. Coop, Coop and Stark, you know. I, um, uh, uh, like, like, like we said, they go through... Uh, Cryo sleep, which is another space thing, you know, space movie thing. You know, it takes it only takes fifty six days to get there, but like we're just gonna nap on the way. Because <laughs> apparently, because of faster they will go, if they don't nap on the way, they will get turned into goo, as it was described oh. by Jason Isaacs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I'm not sure if the science is accurate on that, but why do they always, <laughs> when they get stuck in those little capsules, why do they have to be in their underpants? Why does that have to happen? It feels like if they can already do all the things they can do, you can keep your clothes on. Yeah. If, right? If you can wear underpants in there, why can't you just wear clothes? Right. I mean, like, I get you're in water, I mean, but like everybody, yeah. everybody's comfortable just being in their underpants. Nobody was like, I'm keeping my clothes on. You guys can be in your underpants. I don't mind if I get wet. It's fine. You don't have like a favorite sleep shirt? None of them did, actually. They all looked like they were wearing like official sleep gear. I was like, Yeah, but it was like all sports bras and underpants. Right. That's, yeah. That was it. That was it. Uh, it was insane. Can I get a one piece? To show off I need packs. a one piece. <laughs> <laughs> it's an old scene where he's like, he's mostly naked walking. Well, there's a part of the scene where he is naked in it, but it's like. It looks like he's been laying on a grill for a couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm working these love handles on because I still saw them. <laughs> but um, they fly. He has a. Um, yeah, and they fly in liquid. Well, I guess water. So I don't know if it's water or not. I don't know. It just like, it's just it's, it's not back to right. It's not back definitely to, not, not back, back to, to which makes me sad. Um, and uh, they have they have air hoses like scuba divers, so they can breathe in the water while they sleep. And uh, on the voyage, Sam Neal's is uh, his doesn't work, and he almost drowns. And his pod opens up, and he no one else is awake, and he's just going walking around hearing noises. But like it's an, you know I've been in an empty house before. <laughs> it's, it's, I know where everyone's at. I can turn my head. It's not like someone was waiting. <laughs> and then he gets scared by his blind wife, his, his no-eyed wife. So if you if you woke up and you're a guest on somebody's ship and you wake up and you're the only one, okay, and you're like, oh, no, it didn't work right. I'm just going to wander this ship right now of 
nothing that I understand and see what happens. No. Nope. I'd hear a weird noise. I'd be like, I'll stay here because they're going to get up eventually. So yeah, yeah, you can wait. hunt I'll somewhere else. Maybe it's, maybe it's like, you know, when you're at a hotel with, with like friends and you wake up first and you just want to be polite, trying to sneak around and not wake them up. Oh, no. I stay in bed. <laughs> I just roll over and go, maybe I'll fall asleep. Maybe somebody else will get up and make coffee. I, I don't think know. He had a guilty conscience. That's why he was so unnerved, and you know, Perhaps. I think he was bad from the start. <laughs> he wanted to go to hell. <laughs> I, you know, I kind of get that feeling about that. And that man. was before he turned into, you know, the the, devil. the ring leader, yeah, the yeah. Parker esque, you know, bad attempt at a Cenobite that was <laughs> that he did turn into. I'm 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 lesions the Cenobite. <laughs> Still better than CD this guy. <laughs> uh, no. It, is CD worse or the guy who's basically the Maltov cocktail? <laughs> CD is worse. Oh, I mean, CD, three's got, I mean, not Hellraiser 3's got terrible He's actually life. obsolete now. <laughs> he has no weapons anymore. <laughs> Fire won't ever go out of style. You are correct. You are correct. By the way, she's never seen any of these movies. Uh, no, I was just thinking, like, they're well, telling so many jokes that are making them laugh so hard, and I look so clueless. I'll pipe Luckily, in in a second. Luckily, you're fine. I'll, <laughs> pop, I'll pop in in a second. Hellraiser guys. nerd, sorry. <laughs> We'll do Are you gonna just do the fourth one? Is that what's gonna happen to me? Like I'm gonna see none of them except for the fourth one? Yeah, we did. We did Star Trek: First Contact uh, a couple episodes ago, and uh, she's never seen a Star Trek movie, so I just wow. gave her the eighth one. That <laughs> was the worst movie I've had to watch, just because it was so confusing, having seen none of the previous ones. Because you know they don't explain anything. No, no. Like, Okuda shows up. Like, it's Picard. They, <laughs> she didn't know that. No, no. He he would bring up names. I was like, I don't know. I don't even. I couldn't even follow the plot. I was so confused by all the people that showed up. If you've not listened to that show, it's a great show. <laughs> so that's kind of what this moment's like for me. I'll get Y'all started. are doing great. I'm so glad you're here because this would not be like this if it was just us. There was a demon from that was made out of a, a CD changer. That's what we're referring to oh. in Hellraiser 3. Yeah. And he, he would actually oh. shoot CD. It's like actual and like, yeah, like laser disc out of his chest and impale people. Like throwing stars. It's like they knew those were going to be obsolete one day. Yeah. And they're like, how can we get this rid of these? This guy can have a job. How can That's we right. get rid of these? Just exactly. stick them inside yeah, exactly. of his chest. We're going to murder people with, you know, MC Hammer CDs. It's like those AOL no, no, no. discs you used to get. You AOL discs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. <laughs> I am AOL. <laughs> 33 hours of death. <laughs> also a completely dated reference. Right. <laughs> That's okay. This movie's dated, so it's all right. Um... Weir freaks out, but it's all. It, luckily, it's all a dream. They wake him up, and then they do the you know, the the same kind of moment of in aliens is like you guys just got out of bed, but we got work to do, so don't hang, don't lollygag. You want coffee? No, I just got elbows out of and pool. assholes. <laughs> and um, then we also have the the, the briefing me- meeting where we have our our grunts, the guys who all work together, and the outsider who's got all the real information. Again, aliens. <laughs> God rest his soul. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, they explain that it's the Event Horizon, and they're like, the Event Horizon was destroyed. This is a bullshit kind of operation. We're heading out. And um, he then explains, uh, Weir explains that the Event Horizon didn't blow up. It was it was just what they told everybody. What happened is it went missing. And then he had to explain how this drive works. And the only way that movie, uh, movie directors and writers can explain wormholes is with paper. <laughs> And a pencil. So you take a piece of paper, you fold it up, you drive a pencil right through it. That's a wormhole. Interstellar did the same thing. 
<laughs> I was like, oh, look, it's the Event Horizon Extreme. <laughs> so Christopher Nolan ripped off Event Horizon. I thought the same thing when I saw it, honestly. And I'll, I'll still to this day say Event Horizon is the superior film. <laughs> Interstellar sucks. Oh, I like Interstellar. Um, he ended up in a bookshelf. <laughs> It's awful. <laughs> so I saw that movie, and it just, uh, remember, we were watching Event Horizon, and he did the whole poster thing, and I said, this looks familiar. Maybe I've seen this. Right. No, I saw the other one. Oh, right, right. You saw the Oh, look yeah. at that. See, look. Reference achieved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, long story short, they find uh, the Event Horizon, Horizon outside of... Jupiter, Bioshock. That's where Bioshock yeah, they showed up. Like by Bioshock. Yeah. But which came first? Uh, Event Horizon. Actually, so, actually, I have a whole bunch of notes about that. Important. <laughs> it's an. It's an. It inspired these looks. It didn't take them. It would be my my, I, my wager. Because the way that it clears too is just like the beginning of one of the Bioshock games. Right. It does. It does. And um, we talked about this too. There's a great game called Dead Space, which is basically Event Horizon with more bio zombies but it's really fun and it's with lots of weirds <laughs> lots of weirds lots of weirds <laughs> um, the crew eventually gets on board they find nobody but but everything else is all this really cool 1997 CGI floating stuff but it's not bad for the time it's it's not but you can tell they were really excited about it because <laughs> they used it that a lot. was that was like the one effect yes. and they did it all, everything else you could tell, like the costuming and the makeup and the architect, like all of that was, you could tell, real. That was the one effect, and they were so proud of it. You would just randomly see something floating just so they can point out that they could do that. That's absolutely like, Look true. at it. It looks like an item. It looks like a real item floating. Right. Boom. Um, so it, on, the, on, the, on the ship first is Miller, Justin... Uh, A.K.A. Baby Bear and one more person, and I'm trying to remember who the other person was. I think it's Stark. Yeah, it's Stark. And uh, they go investigate the ship. Uh, Baby Bear goes down uh, to look at the engine room. The engine room is basically the Hellraiser box as a sphere. Yeah, so it's a Hellraiser gyroscope. Right? Would you? Would you? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Apparently, it has these three giant magnets that, if they align up, they will open a portal, so you can go from one side of the piece of paper to the other. See, it's a good device for <laughs> right, explaining right, things. Right. So everybody following at home, right? Um, uh, it opens up in a big blacky kind of goo-looking th- stuff. And, of course, Justin touches it. That's the first thing I wouldn't do. But he's like, oh, let me look at it. He touches it. And then, of course, it swallows him. You up. think that if you're in this new thing that they just explained can travel faster than light, which is not supposed to be possible, and there's this wall of liquid that's floating that doesn't right. make any sense, you wouldn't touch it? You're trying to tell me you wouldn't touch I it, Scotty? No, no, I wouldn't you touch wouldn't it. You wouldn't touch it? I wouldn't touch it. Kevin, would, would you, you touch it? I wouldn't touch it. I wouldn't touch it. But people are stupid. They're going to touch it. I mean, have you I guys ever seen YouTube? with <laughs> my hand, but I would probably find something to throw into it. Said, hey, guys, look at my channel. Just here you know baby bear live and we're here outside this crazy wormhole don't forget to click follow touch bye <laughs> subscribe now uh, speaking of which our youtube channel never mind uh, zip <laughs> uh baby bear gets sucked into it and then uh it causes a giant shock rave that damages the uh miller ship which is lovingly called the lewis and clark i had forgotten that to mention that because exploration um, well, it's history, Scotty. It's, you know, know. They're teaching you while they're yeah. entertaining you. 
they are teaching you've us. You've learned to. about faster than light travel. Yeah, you've learned about the you know the colonization of the Americas. <laughs> yes. Which is a sore oh. subject. And how, <laughs> Sorry. how wormholes work with paper. Paper and pencil. Right, yeah, yeah. Science through the paper. Yeah. Through paper yeah. So many things. Lewis and Clark started that. It's a yeah. little known fact. <laughs> right, right. You, know, you know, Jefferson, on the one side, there's here on it, but we fold this piece of paper, we can get to where California is. We can find the Pacific. Lewis, hold this piece of paper. I got this pencil. It's like, what the hell are you doing, Clark? Science. <laughs> All right. So um, everyone gets on board and uh, they start investigating. Um, the ship starts doing crazy things. Poor Justin's like in a coma. He won't wake up. Jason Isaacs is a doctor trying to figure out what's going on. Is this the prequel to Gotham, by the way? Since uh, he was uh, Alfred. Is he Pennyworth? Is this where Pennyworth is going to go when they start that show? <laughs> Did you realize that? That Sean Pertwee was See, Alfred oh, in right. Gotham. He, oh, that's right. He yes. is. Sean Pertwee is also one of my favorites. He's like Cooper than him. He's so good in this. Just, he's, yeah. he's What's the guy, was that? He's the guy who's like, fuck this ship. I'm not he, going. He's trying to get weird the whole time. He tries to choke him. They have to hold him back. He's the guy with the skinhead. Right. Okay, yeah, 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 the yeah, guy yeah. who's like, I'm just going to stay on the ship yeah. and yeah. fix it. That's yeah. Alfred Pennyworth. Yeah, that's Pennyworth. He Gotham. raised Batman after this movie. So. Yeah. Well, well, not technically. He died in this movie. <laughs> He went to hell and came back, <laughs> back and raised and the dark multiverse guy. Oh, hey, that makes a lot of sense. Dan DiDio <laughs> made this real. <laughs> um, uh, crazy stuff happens. Uh, you know, everyone's seeing hallucinations. Usually, stuff from a pa- from from their past. One of the characters has a son who's who's uh, disabled, and she keeps seeing him, um, like with bugs and stuff on his legs, and. Um, Miller sees a guy that he let burn to death in a in a past mission. Uh, Weir that he told nobody about. Right, he told nobody about. Yeah. Um, Weir keeps seeing his wife. Um, there, well, Clark sees a. She sees the uh, no, not Clark. Stark sees um, the the blood from the Shining come out. Yes. I mean, there's all. I mean, a lot of these hallucinations happen. And and. Uh, while they're investigating um, and looking up, they find uh, a log of, of what happened to the ship, a little bit of pieces of it. And at first you can listen to it, and it's kind of like garbled, and it's possibly Latin. And um, Jason Isaacs is all like, that's totally Latin, and he says it. And then later on he realizes he's wrong. It's supposed to be, you know, he says, like, it means save us. But it's like, save yourself. Yeah. Because... And then we get to see it, what they lovingly called the blood orgy. <laughs> and so it's just, you know, just just not fun. It's just not not pleasant. Every people are on like fan blades, and there's bugs. Everyone, somebody was sodomized with a lead pipe, but it's all really really fast. So, yeah. And I didn't slow it down, but it's just really really. Fast. That's where a lot of the floating things you were referring to came from—the hand, mm-hmm. the miscellaneous oh, body parts that are floating. Was a corpse sickle. Yeah. yeah, I wrote. Okay, I wrote corpse sickle, and then couldn't remember. What it was. Okay. Do you remember now? Yeah. Well, Jennifer explained it to me. Because I said corpsicle, and then she just explained it to me like she automatically knew what I was talking about. Do you know why you wrote it down? Because it was a corpsicle? No, because you're saying, totally, I'm going to come up with a drink for that. (laughs) (laughs) Mother trucker. I forgot. No, no, that's okay. That's okay. No, no, that's okay. Continue. I think it's funny. Um, So, uh, Justin wakes up and. Walks outside. <laughs> he basically goes to go to the airlock, locks himself in the airlock. Keeps saying that the darkness inside me, inside him. He sees it, and he he doesn't want it anymore. It's a great way to commit suicide. I suppose going down the airlock, 
And then as the airlock depressurizes, he kind of snaps to it. Miller comes to go rescue him. He starts to bubble up and boil. The doors open up. He gets into a little ball and spits blood like a piana. And then <laughs> he gets caught, save the day, and then but he... It's an awesome scene. Oh, it's a great scene. I mean, scientifically, whether it makes sense or not, it's such a beautifully shot and performed scene. And I'm telling you, I I wish Fishburne had done more sci-fi where he was the dude in charge. He is so commanding, so uh, fascinating in that role. He kind of chews up the scenes that he's in. Oh, he does. He's amazing. He's really good at leadership. And Miller's a really good role for him. And plus, you know, he's always said, even though problems with this movie and mostly studio involvements, he loves this movie. It's Mm -hmm. one of his favorites. Well, he's so solid, uh, and I love that scene where he saves Baby Bear. Right. I mean, it's a, such a nice build-up, and the payoff is really good. Uh, whether you know whether or not the guy would have exploded into tiny fleshy bits or not before he got there is a different. You know, question. we will actually find out later in this episode <laughs> if that happens or not. But I, you know, I saw this in the theater. I did too. In '97 at uh, Springdale Six over here, that's been closed for years and years now. I saw it at the. F- Foley Theater, that's now a church. <laughs> we saw lots of movies there <laughs> back Jr. in the day. Back in the day, we saw lots. The first uh, movie I saw there was Independence Day. Yeah. Um, uh, so, and, uh, you know, yeah, just, I, I remember that scene ever since. Well, it was it just stood out to me. It's such a good scene because you've got you've got the tension. You've got first him who's possessed by whatever darkness is inside him. You've got everyone who's trying to get him out. And Miller, who is literally who's been hanging out on the other ship, kind of seeing repairs flying his way the best way he can to get to and, and so cool the whole time and telling him to calm down yeah, and he's, he's just, just in charge it, just, was, it was really yeah, really just, good to me and uh, I like when you know when the airlock starts to open he wakes up and realizes what's going on and no one will let can't let mm-hmm. him because they'll dis- destroy the ship and uh, I mean even how it's done you know he his veins start to bubble up and then he starts to float yeah. I mean it's a really it's really mm-hmm. really done excellent yeah love it I uh, was um it was a scene that was in the an earlier draft that got cut that he reworked in, back into the movie because he, he wanted to do it so much. So it's, no, it's very awesome. cool. Very cool. Um, I'm trying to keep this one short. Um, so, long story short, uh, the ship went to hell <laughs> and came. Yeah, back. it did. Okay. And it's systematically killing all the characters. Uh, Doctor Weir wants the remaining crew. He's done been possessed by, and he wants to take it to to hell he's all cut up and legion like and uh he got knocked out into space and come back he got no eyes because where we're going we don't you don't need <laughs> eyes and i'm like the hell i do <laughs> if i'm gonna see this torture that's I mean, a matter of opinion <laughs> sir <laughs> um uh luckily they figure out a way to destroy the ship because someone put bombs on the ship as a Safety measure? Because <laughs> they just knew it was going to go to hell one day. Right. So the way the Event Horizon is, is built, there is a, a like a, I would call like a, a habitat section, a long, long corridor filled with little hallway bombs and the engine. And so the hallway bombs, once they explode, they separate the engine from the habitat zone. And so the habitat uh, can be used as a lifeboat and be rescued. And so that's their plan. Um, there's fighting and chaos. Lots of people die. Um, As they should. Uh, Miller sacrifices himself by fighting Weir in the engine room and, and fighting the fire guy that he saw and blows up everything, uh, leaving Cooper Stark and uh, Justin in a tube. And Cooper getting blasted out into space right, yeah, gonna, we and coming back. back. So yeah. so cool. Yeah, I was going to come back to that. <laughs> but... Um, 
they they drift off. They're rescued, and uh, or are they? Because uh, Clark, uh, not Clark Stark has the crazy weird dream where she wakes up from her tube, and the security guys who's trying to help her takes off his helmet or lifts his helmet. Is weird, and then she wakes up and freaks out. And they're like, no, no, it's fine. Right, and they're fine. trying to get her set up and calm her down. Coop's trying to help her out. And as they're calming her down, the ship's doors suddenly close. Woo. So, one thing you didn't bring up that we both talked about. Right. They are constantly smoking cigarettes. <laughs> and how? How are they doing that? In the oxygen pressurized, the oxygen like, rich when, environment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, I mean, that's a pretty 70s sci fi trope. I mean, they did an alien. Yeah. And uh, I think it's just a, I think a throwback to that. In this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I, you know, I, I I forgot to look that up. Maybe for for the cult meeting, I'll look out and see if that's possible. Okay. Cool. I think they mix yes, the please. air environment enough and I mean, reduce the, can, mix the oxygen content. Right, but, like, right. If you can get you closer know. to you know Earth's oxygen, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how. I mean, I, I mean, do they do that just to let people smoke those? Like, <laughs> hey guys, can you put some more nitrogen in here? Because <laughs> like different I, times, I, different times. I mean, times. I'm a two pack a day guy. Yeah. <laughs> If I'm going to be in this this can for 56 days, I'm really going to need to burn a few when I get up. <laughs> so b- before we move on, we, we did talk about, I think, your and I, um, Kevin's favorite scene is the rescuing of Baby Bear. Um, I also love um, Cooper and his uh, daring escape. So our, our friend Cooper, who's this lively, you know, I don't know, Sweet talking, cooler than you, sarcastic. Can, yeah, but you know he, right. he's obviously the the funny guy, guy of the group, right? But he, also the most capable. He's established right up front as a rescue expert. expert. He, he's he's really the emergency guy. guy. Mm-hmm. You know, if you need, you're in trouble, you come call Cooper. And he it, just kind of saved himself the whole time, right? Which is which, which is perfect. Honestly, yeah. I think you know, come to me. Except while y'all are dying, I'm gonna be taking care of myself. <laughs> I don't want to go to hell. So Cooper, after after the Lewis and Clark is damaged, um, Cooper is set to repair it. So he's you know putting metal or whatever and, and riveting things down. And then uh, when Weir blows up the Lewis and Clark, um, it sends Cooper into space. And the whole time Cooper's freaking out. And then he goes, "Okay, okay, what can I do? What can, okay, I'll just blow my tanks." And he blows his tanks, and literally Iron Man flies his way back to, to, to the event horizon. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. Probably not plausible, but, but it was Mythbusters, awesome. do it. Uh, no, <laughs> do shows, it, shows up in the nick of time. Right. I mean, the, you know, this whole heroic thing. Is, hey, see, he's just it's awesome. Really good. It, it was uh, it it it's so fun. It's I, you know, it's as weird as the movie is. It is you know, and as filled with just homages to a little bit of everything. I mean, at its essence, at its core, it's a haunted house in space, complete with. Lightning bolts and and smoke and clouds in the windows. I yeah, mean, it's it, all got a really good aesthetic. It borrows a lot, but I think the way that it borrows and applies what it what it takes from other films and other creators uh, is really fun. It's really good. Makes a, a really cool movie. I liked it. it was it's a like good movie. if you know Ridley Scott, you know, got really drunk. <laughs> And directed a Clive Barker script. That's that's kind of. That's kind of. Yeah, I can see I mean, that. Uh, I really, I really can see that. And so. But but didn't get sober for the entire shoot. And that's my <laughs> so we're moving on to uh, our lady of libations, and she has a drink or a couple of drinks for us to, for you to enjoy the next time you are uh, watching this great film. All right, everybody. This is your lady of libations coming to you from Okinawa. 
That's right. I am really recording this before I go. But when you hear this, I will be in Okinawa. And these are your libations for Event Horizon. I have two of them for you. The first one is a shooter called the Black Hole. It is one-third ounce black rum, one-third ounce Kahlua, one-third ounce amaretto. Shake it over ice and pour it and shoot it. Yum, yum. I like all of those, by the way. And the second one is an actual popular drink called the Black Hole. It is served in a highball glass. All it is is one and a half ounce of black Sambuca, and you fill with club soda. Yum. And remember, uh, if you enjoy this drink, let us know. Uh, shoot video of watching you enjoying it. That'd be fun. I found a, a corpsicle. Take a, take, oh, you found a corpsicle? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I found a drink that's called the Corpse Reviver. And I'm going to add a popsicle to it. <laughs> Last minute, guys. <laughs> I forgot why I wrote that down. Do you, want me, do you want me to share? Yeah. Yes, I want you to share. I didn't like the number one. I, it, I just didn't like it. So the Corpse Reviver number two has absinthe, gin, orange liqueur, uh, something called Lilit Blanc, which is like a fruit liqueur. Right. Um, it calls for fresh lemon juice, and then you put it in a martini glass. But instead of using the lemon juice, you're going to use a lemon popsicle. Okay. Corpsicle. Boom. Corpsicle. Look at you. It's technically stealing, but that's okay. We're borrowing. <laughs> We're encouraging. So uh, I, I did manage to find some apocrypha for this film. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. Enjoy this one. So... Paul W.S. Anderson's initial cut of the film ran 130 minutes with, and was quite graphically violent, so much that test audience in the studio balked at the finished product. Now, the part of that reason was that the studio rushed the um, this test screening. The effects weren't finished, the, the music wasn't, the sound wasn't mixed, the music wasn't in there. They didn't so have all the cool floating then, things. They didn't have everything. No. Good. So, so well, of course, that audience, explains it. Of course, audiences didn't ha- like it. And knowing their audiences, they're probably thirteen-year-old boys watching it. Uh, Paramount ordered them to cut the movie by ordered him to cut the movie by thirty minutes and tone down some of the violence. Uh, he did, and the decision that he uh, regrets. Um, then, as late as two thousand twelve, he started looking for the the footage. He found the old cut footage. He was trying to make a director's cut. Found the cut footage in a salt mine in Romania. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, well, because. It preserves things like documents and, and film. There's sidelines all over the country, all over the world, and studios have got all kinds of just documents and film and stuff. That's stored damn in. bizarre. In so, Romania, I, I know you've not seen it, but you know, day, uh, you ever seen Romero's Day of the Dead? Yeah. Okay, so that's a real salt mine, and that's also one of those places where they keep like, <laughs> you know, they're making a zombie movie over here, and Paramount's got like Gone with the Wind over there, <laughs> just original cuts and stuff. So, so that's where I'm all over. So they found it in Romania. Unfortunately. Because of reasons, um, the footage got degraded, so they couldn't use it, and so um, that's unfortunate. Yeah, so in 2017, he uh, due because of the bad archiving, a, a longer version no longer exists. He did in that time find a VHS copy of his original cut, and some steals came from that. But he says it's not good enough to share. Maybe technology will catch up. So. <laughs> Here's what I thought was really interesting. William Malone, who wrote House on Haunted Hill, the 1999 version, wrote a script in uh, 1990 called Dead Star, which he kind of called kind of dead calm in space. Um, uh, The premise is, what if hell uh, as a a realm is a a real place, another dimension, and what if aliens built a machine that could send 
sent out to hell. The story focuses on a crew sent to rescue a ship and finding this machine. The script had been sent out to studios and read by an unknown amount of people. Things were lifted, but no pointing fingers, you know. Wow. Um, Death Star eventually became Supernova. <laughs> a science fiction flop from 2000 that was plagued with a ton of problems, including the writer, um, one of the lead writers coming in and doing a complete screen rewrite, not knowing that the head of the studio was so, was so in love with the original script, she cut their budget in half after she read the new one. <laughs> That's uh, a pretty awful film, too. Yeah, uh, which also led to the first post-Alan Smithy film. Are you guys familiar with Alan Smithy? Oh, yeah. All right, so Alan Smithy, for those who don't know, if you're, uh, for a long time, if you were a director of a movie and you, you the finished product come out and you're not happy with it, you could remove your name from it and they would put Alan Smithy. Well, because of a, uh, a movie, Alan Smithy, Burn Hollywood Burn, they stopped using the name. This is the first movie that did not use the name. The new name is Thomas Lee. So this movie is unofficially directed by Thomas Lee. Okay. So I thought that was some interesting mm-hmm. apocrypha. Um, so moving on to uh, our favorite game, Screw, Mary Kill. Our choices are, you'll love this, Dr. Weir, Captain Miller, and Cooper. Okay. Captain Miller, remind me. Morpheus. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Morpheus. Cooper. And Dr. Weir. Oh, yeah. Dr. Weir is... No. I know. Yeah, no, I know. Jurassic Park. <laughs> okay. Oh, I thought you asked me to remind you of no, the No, no, no. Hmm. Oh, you want me to go first? I thought you were going first. Yeah, okay. I, you, no, that's you, fine. You started talking. I was going yeah, to Yeah, I was just uh, talking. To, I was thinking. Okay, so Hell Guy is dead. Doctor. The doctor's dead. Are you killing Hell Guy? Yeah, because I want to go to hell, so no. Have you ever been? It could be a nice place. <laughs> it did not look like it. It didn't look like it was going to be very fun. I want to keep my eyes, first of all. So there's that. But you won't need them where he's taking you. I like them. <laughs> um, I would probably marry Morpheus because he seemed like he got it together. And then he goes to the Matrix later, and that would be fun. Uh, and then Coops. Coop, Coop and I. We're going to hook up. Coop, you know Coop? Yeah. He looks like you have a good time. Kevin? Um, I would have said the same things, but I'll change it up. Um, I'll screw. You can say the same thing for different reasons. No, that's uh, no. She does, she got the right reasons. Yeah. Those are the right reasons. I can't, I can't dispute those reasons. We're um, synced up over here. <laughs> I mean, he also wants to go to the matrix. Those, who those people are? Um, but instead, I'll I'll screw weird just to say that I screwed a cinnabite, a barbecue cinnabite. Right, right, knock that off your butt. So that means you have to no, kill no, Coop. I can, I can brag about it. Right, right, no, I'm gonna him. marry Coop. Okay, okay, because okay, he's okay. funny. Yeah, yeah. And okay. awesome to have around, and, and he can rescue me from any damn thing that happens. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, that means I have to kill Miller because he lied about you know he didn't tell anybody he burned that guy up. Oh yeah, honestly, yeah. he's really important character flaw. Yeah. Character honestly, flaw. He's really important. Kevin. I respect that. Yeah. Um, for me. I agree with you. I will kill Weir because ew. Because <laughs> ew. <laughs> ew. But the but the sex tape, you know, celebrity uh, possibilities are oh, incredible. <laughs> I like that he went with that aspect for you. He's like, you could become famous. Oh, I, mean, I got you. I got you, Scotty. Famous. Uh, I would give Captain Miller the time of his life on one good night. <laughs> I would. I'm a magical lover. I'm just saying. You, you, you okay. think that guy was on fire, Captain? <laughs> Check this out. Right. So, I mean, I'm gonna give him a venereal disease. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you what's on fire. <laughs> hey, Jason Isaac, can you take a look at this? It burns with that beat. <laughs> and then uh, I will marry Cooper because uh, 
he, he just he can take care of people. That's his thing. He'll take. You'll care laugh. Of people. You'll laugh. Yeah, and that's what you need in a good relationship. Yeah. Laugh. I mean, he was a good flirt. He made a couple right. of nice come ons to Stark. Right. He was totally groping and, her at the end. He's like, I got you. I got you. Like, yeah. And yeah. honestly, okay. I mean, they're already making. Might job. as well. I bet he's got hazard pay and. Something happens, life insurance. I think I'd be taken care of. I'm just I, that is always Scotty's end game: is who can take care of me in the long oh, that's run. That's good planning. Or, or can I get powers? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm gonna go with them because I can Our become both. a king. <laughs> Again, let's do the board game. That was fun. So I now have some fun facts. So this movie happens around Neptune. I have fun facts about Neptune. Neptune is our most distant planet. Now, depending on who you ask. Yeah, I was like, oh. If you ask scientists. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Opinion. Pluto, <laughs> unfortunately, Pluto is now a dwarf planet, and so dwarf planets don't count. Also, uh, Pluto has a weird elliptical or- orbit, so sometimes. Yeah, it slips inside Neptune's it, orbit. It, yeah. it slips inside uh, Neptune's orbit, which uh, the last time that happened was like between 1970 and 1999. Uh, Neptune has the strongest winds in the solar system. Good to know. Yeah, just you know, if you want to go windsurfing, you go there. <laughs> Neptune is the coldest planet in the solar system. Well, well, I mean, it needs to be to keep hell there. Right. <laughs> I mean, something's got to cool it down. It's uh, at negative three hundred sixty-six point six Fahrenheit, which means that an unprotected human being will flash freeze in a second. Corpsicle. Corpsicle. Uh, and Neptune has a, a ring system, but it's hard to uh, see, thanks to Saturn. Most of the large planets, I think, all have ring systems. Fun facts about Lewis and Clark. So Lewis and Clark was a uh, expedition team who, uh, under uh, Thomas Jefferson, went to go explore the recently purchased Louisiana Purchased, and so they went and basically were on their way looking for uh, to check everything out, but really looking for a fast route to get to the Pacific. Meriwether uh, Lewis met uh, William Clark in the army, but when Lewis was being court-martialed <laughs> for uh, getting into a duel, but he was acquitted and. Uh, he got uh, instead of um, he, well, he was found not guilty, but his, his, and his superiors decided to transfer him to a different company. Where that's where he met Clark, his new best buddy. I mean, if you weren't getting in a duel back in those days, who the hell were you, and what were you doing with your life? <laughs> Honestly, that was, was a musical. Like, go watch Hamilton. <laughs> I want to see there's that lots so of, bad. There's lots of duels in Hamilton. Yeah. Um, so before Lewis and Clark completed their expedition, Americans could only speculate on what lurked in the uncharted territories beyond the Rocky Mountains. Thomas Jefferson had a small library of books with, on the frontier and was convinced the explorers might run into mountains of salt, a race of Welsh-speaking Indians, and herds of woolly mammoths and giant sloths. Did not find any of that stuff. <laughs> but they did. Uh, but Lewis did describe 178 previously unknown species of plant, 122 animals, including. Uh, Coyotes, mountain beavers, and grizzly bears, which was previously mountain unknown. Beavers. So there's going for sloths. Come back with mountain beavers. Um, <laughs> so others, my other, my other favorite one was that. Um, so Jefferson told everybody that the Lewis and Clark expedition was a scientific expedition. We're just going to go do science things, not look for a, 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 a trade route to the Pacific. But the Spanish all knew that was different, and so the Spanish. All sent out from Mexico and New Mexico. They they sent out uh, groups of roving bands to go arrest them. <laughs> <laughs> they never found them because it's all you know. America, it's big. I've uh, I have no fun facts about Event Horizons. I tried. I really really tried. Do you know how confusing Event Horizons are? 
Yeah, that's high level physics. Like I was like, oh look, I'll just go like mental floss, ten AC things that you need to know about mental. And they're like, no, 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 you need to agree to read this. Just I, see the seventies Disney movie, The Black, Black Hole, Hole, if you want to understand what Event Horizons are not. So no, no. Something about time and space time, and then if that, that's a barrier where space time is, and you'll die, but on the other side, everything's fine, but things have moved. I mean, I couldn't understand. But you, but you end like up in a bookshelf. <laughs> you end up in a bookshelf. Or hell. Hell or a bookshelf. That's what your two choices are. You're going to. Maybe that is hell is a bookshelf. Uh, that's all I can figure. Why is that a bad thing? He was behind it. He couldn't even get to the books. Oh, that it, is it was terrible. Well, you have to look at them forever. That's never right. Touch them. Okay. Yes, oh, no. he's kind of touching them. He was trying to make Morse code for his yeah, daughter. Yeah, because he, he, he dropped some of them out, didn't he? Right. Yeah, right. yeah see? Yeah. So I watched that he's movie. Trying to, trying to help Murph out. So you find yourself outside in space without a spacesuit. Here's what happens. First of all, you aren't going to explode. Your blood is not going to boil. Your skin keeps, uh, keeps you from spilling out in the space. However, you will inflate. The nitrogen dissolves in your bloodstream near the surface of your skin, and it will collect itself into little bubbles, expanding you to about twice your size, starting in your hands and uh, feet, then moving in. We're blowfish. Yeah, you're blowfish. Yes. You won't freeze either. Eventually, you will, but uh, you won't flash freeze in space. Uh, We radiate about 100 watts of heat, and because of our body mass, we won't be turning into a popsicle or corpsicle anytime soon. What really dooms you is the lack of oxygen, which kills your brain and the rest of your organs. Your body goes into a safety mode, which tries to conserve energy, uh, so you have about two minutes to be rescued. Captain Miller was right about one thing, though. You don't want to hold your breath. Uh, You want to push all the air out out because you don't want to rupture your lungs. Because it's going to be exploding. Right. Right, right. Um, Justin was lucky. He was rescued in under two minutes. More like 34 seconds. Yeah. So they got him good. So his... His transformation was probably a little bit dramatic, but you know, it's a, a little movie. bit, just yeah, a little bit. It's okay. a movie. It's a good movie. And Cowboy Curtis saved him. So Cowboy Curtis did save him. <laughs> the secret word of the day: <laughs> hell. <laughs> <laughs> I, need to, I need to replace that with the orgy screams. <laughs> should should do that. All right. So a little bar trivia. So. How long do you, how big did you or long yeah how long did you think that the Event Horizon ship model was? The model. The model for the ship. Talking feet or inches? Feet. Mm. Five feet two inches. Five five two. Kevin. Eight feet. Seventy feet long. What? The? Are you kidding? No, it's a wow. seventy foot model. Wow. Because Did it start smaller? Because I still feel like I could be correct. <laughs> <laughs> like they started with a smaller one and then they're like, 70 feet of this. Let's do this, guys. Well, technically you're both correct because I bet one time it was five foot <laughs> and then eight for, foot. At least for a few minutes. For a few minutes. It was just yeah. five, five See? Two. We were right. So half it, it's a boat. gorgeous Thanks. ship, though. I mean, such a nice model. Uh, it was. Like I said, it was uh, designed after uh, Notre Dame. Man. It's, it's it had to be one of the last sci-fi movies that it used a practical model. Right. Yeah, everything was practical in it. Uh, I've got some notes about that, Because Phantom Menace was two years later and, right, and it blew everything away. So. <laughs> That's true. Um, not, not in a good way always, but in some ways. It yeah. still has the best lightsaber fight in the series. Correct. Um, so, the sleep tanks, where do you think they were? What in do you real, think they were? In real life. You're talking about the things that they floated in liquid? Yep. They were real things that were modified. Uh, water bottles. <laughs> I'm going to sleep in this Dasani bottle right here. <laughs> Not Dasani. The ones they bring to offices. <laughs> okay, I got you. Oh. 
I'm gonna go sleep in Glacier Springs over there. <laughs> Coffins. Uh, no, uh, no, no, jet plane cockpits. Wow. So fighter, fighter jet cockpits. So like I could use GI Joe toys and simulate that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You could get your your Sky Striker. <laughs> Sneak us. Strip down to your skivvies and get under this cockpit. You're going we can't to space. wear clothes. You have to be naked. You have to be naked. Can I, I would say, can I wear my mask where he doesn't talk? So that just, that joke doesn't make sense. It's an audio podcast, so I can't. You know, well. Um, the frozen corporate effect had to be shot twice thanks to a disgruntled, uh, disgruntled effects worker. The first time he had hit a Barbie doll in it. <laughs> and so when it fell and broke, the Barbie doll bounced out. So they had to spend money to do that twice. Oh, um, I would be so mad. The spacesuits worn by the actors were 65 pounds. And due to the weight that they couldn't, uh, they, um, they couldn't stand for a long period of time due to back injury. So they made uh, design special hanging poles. So between scenes, you would see actors kind of hanging in their suits. <laughs> oh, Wally! Was Con- it, Con- Wally was in this because he had the floating hammock, yeah, yeah, whatever. His, like his I forgot. There son. were so many other movies that stole, I guess, from this one. If this uh, one was first. So, so uh, Paul W.S. Anderson uh, really got this movie because uh, Mortal Kombat from 1995 was such a hit. Uh, what did he turn down to direct this instead? I like that he looked at you because Akira? he knows that I know nothing. <laughs> because everybody's turning down Akira to, to, to direct uh, I, I will give you both a hint. It is a movie that uh, has been made. <laughs> uh, I should know this. Uh, he said Akira, and Akira's not, there's not been a live action. I was just Akira. kidding because Taika Waititi turned it down to yeah. do Thor for, for today. So. Yeah, today yeah. That was big news. Uh, We're getting a th- Thor 4. Are we? Yeah, yep. same director. I love Thor. That's going to be good. Um, I do not remember. I should know this, but I don't I, remember. I, you need to know to come with multiple choice yes. options. Um, Harry Potter, the first one. Chamber Secrets, that's a good one. No, not Chamber Secrets. I'm a little disappointed in you. No, don't be the, disappointed. The, I, I am. We we did those. The, the stone. Kidney stone? <laughs> Harry Potter stone. in the kidney stone. Philosopher's Stone. It has multiple. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Uh, I don't know because I don't know the movies that came out in that time. Just guess, just guess. because uh, I'm gonna guess something, and it's gonna be like an either like a '70s movie or like a 2010. <laughs> oh, those both are both. Are, I think would be excellent. Was okay. it, was okay. it 2010? <laughs> the, the first Fast movie? and the Furious. Uh, no, but both good answers. It was the original X Men movie. Really? Uh, I would yeah. never. Have I did not that. know that. So that that, that would have been. So he turned that down to do this one. Right. He turned down to do the X Men. So imagine Anderson doing the X Men franchise. <sighs> Based on his other work, I mean, it would be trippy. It was, uh, the reason why he turned it down was because Mortal Kombat um, was PG-13, and he wanted to do something for a hard, with a hard R, and uh, did not happen. Yeah, he did. Um, let's see. The, uh, the writer uh, was kind of forced into writing this, uh, Philip Eisner, because he had a, a, a multi-picture writing agreement, but he wrote this after like a, a family tragedy. I don't know what the tragedy was, but it was very, very... He didn't write anything after this. Okay. Well, you can kind of see that in the yeah. in the script and the the suicide and the the uh, disabled kid with the bugs and just everything. Right. There's a lot of tragedy there's in it. There's a uh, he, he, it's all family members. Before the, trage- before the tragedy, he had pitched this uh, this idea of a movie as like The Shining in space, and this, that's what the studio originally went with. Uh, and then he was kind of forced to write it afterwards, and so it's why it's probably a little uneven. Um, but the first draft was uh, enthusiastically received. So, um, this movie came out 10 months after it started production. That's fast. That is insanely fast. And that explains a lot of things about this movie. And this is including, they had two test screenings. 
And uh, uh, how many test screening screenings do they normally do? Zero to one. So know. they did extra. Yeah, they did extra. So it was fast, and then they had extra screenings. Right. Um, and they they did this to fill a hole. Uh, I will we'll talk about this in uh, when we talk about the the movies cost and stuff. But there was a big movie in 1997 that was coming out that was supposed to come out in July and it did not. So uh, Paramount had a hole in their schedule, and so they bumped up Event Horizon, which threw up his you know just threw out his schedule. Um, in in the uh, Directors Guild, you you have ten weeks to edit your film and the bylaws. You're you're, allowed, you're supposed to be allowed ten weeks. But he was a new director, and they talked him out of it to six. So he, so he, he, he was in two weeks into post-production stuff, or two weeks of reshoots, and they had really four weeks to edit this movie. So I mean, that explains a lot of that's I mean, crazy. That's I mean, mm-hmm. it's a, it, a, it's a miracle that any movie gets made. It's a real miracle that this made it, and still looks as good as it does. Yeah. And then because of you know what we know that's out there, the, the movie that we didn't get, because studios kept wanting to go to a PG thirteen. And it's, I mean, it's an R, but it's a soft R compared to what it was. Oh sure. So. So well, that that's that uh, harkens back to what you if you watch the documentaries about the Nightmare on Elm Street films about the speed that they had to turn those out. At, yeah, because you know, well, the New Line was so they were so small and they were so determined to keep that cash flow going. I mean, because yeah. that was basically their yearly bread and butter was these Nightmare on Elm Street films. Because nothing else they were having was really sticking. And they they just wore everybody out. Um, the last, my last bit of trivia is that the rotating corridor, which they called the meat grinder, that separates the gravity drive from the rest of the ship, you know, it keeps rotating around. It's a real thing. It's a, it was a big giant set piece that they built, and it worked so well that uh, most of the actors couldn't walk down the street because it would di- would disorient them. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and so when you watch Lawrence Fishburne try to run from it during the fireball scene at the end, he's he's trying to fight vertigo. <laughs> he's going through. It looked like those like fun mazes at the carnival, right? And that's like wh- and that's like five feet long, and that's it, and then right. you're done. Yeah, but this multiple. one's like you know yeah. twenty feet of that. Yeah, and yeah. Like, and oh yeah, you got to run as fast as you can, Morpheus. Just go. Just <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. Uh so now we're come paying the tab. Oh, I forgot my wallet, guys. <laughs> I got this one. Thank uh, you. So, how much did you think the budget was? Um, I'll say fifteen million. Fifteen million. Oh goodness. I'm talking nineties dollars. We are talking nineteen ninety-seven dollars. Fifteen million. A really good. Well, estimate. there's been some movies in the eighties that were higher than that. I'm gonna say thirty-five. Sixty million dollars. Wow. I'm surprised. I, I've learned just based on other <laughs> the f- movies. The few movies that we've done. Yeah. That I didn't think would have had a budget that high back then. Uh, the they don't play with movies. Uh, the Weekend that came out, um, where do you think it ranked? Or how much did you. I, I, yeah, The Weekend that came out, where do you think it ranked out of the top 10? Do you know like a top couple of them? I didn't, yeah, I know, the, I know the top five. Don't, don't <laughs> say them in order, but can you pick like one or two? Um, no. Oh. <laughs> Second. Fourth. Uh, it was beat out by Copland, Air Force One, Conspiracy Theory, and it beat Spawn. I, I like that I asked for movies. I know none of those. <laughs> That's why I didn't tell you. I knew this ahead of time. He would have oh, said something. I would have yeah, been I mean, like, Air first, Force one I don't was know. Huge. Oh, Air Force One was huge. It's Harrison Ford. I mean, uh, oh. Conspiracy the Theory was... Uh, was it Mel Gibson? Yeah, it's Mel Gibson. Yeah, I mean, those guys were gods. Yeah, Patrick in the, Stewart's in that, too. Yeah. And, um, of course, Copland, Copland was... Stallone? Stallone's, but his return to this, like, pure drama. He had gained weight for it. It's a really, really good movie. and it's. But I never thought it was a number one movie. 
Uh, so, but yeah, so it, uh, those kinds of movies don't even get made anymore. They, 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 um, if not, they, if they do get made, you see them on Netflix or yeah. you know Amazon Prime picks it up and it dominates the award season. But no one saw it around here. Um, how do you think it finished out of the top 100 this uh, of that year? I would say in the um, bottom 30. Bottom 30. Pick a number in the bottom 30. Um, 75. 75. 45. Close. 77. Oh, <clears throat> they didn't like it very much. Um, our movies and our sci-fi movies that aren't alien just aren't going to do well. I mean, it's just... You guys you could know. have told me that before, I guess. Yeah, you know, saying. it's just... Okay. You know, weirdos like, like us that like those movies are few and far between. <laughs> so can you name the top five movies of that year? Of that whole year? No. No, but one of them I already named in the last list. The one that you just Air gave Force a second One. Ago? Air Force One's one of them. That was number five. What else in 97? Spawn. Didn't you say that? Yeah, but that was I'm going to keep listing those because that's what I know. Yeah. 97. Um... It's you a got this. Camp, but I just want to. I'm just curious. It's a fun part of the show. What can you know? City of Angels. No. <laughs> Good soundtrack there. The Crow was earlier than that. Yeah. Um, I don't think the Crow did that well. It either. didn't. <laughs> but what would be huge in '97? Singles. That was earlier. <laughs> I'm just thinking Eddie, '90s. That movie's Eddie. That has Eddie Vedder and I love it. <laughs> Are some of them comedies? Um, yeah, one of them is When Harry Met Sally That's also earlier <laughs> Is it really? What about like Clerks? Uh, uh, also did not do well Sleepless but in Seattle <laughs> Alright, you guys are, You guys are killing me In reverse order Number five Air Force One Number four Liar, liar <laughs> Number three Lost World Jurassic Park uh, That's number, a terrible movie Number two Men in Black Ugh. And the number one movie Of 1997 And Currently, one of the top movies of all time, Titanic. Oh, wow. Titanic was the movie that was supposed to come out in July and screwed up Event Horizon. So, if you don't like Titanic, here's another reason for you not to like Titanic. I like Titanic. It's all right. Have you seen it? Yeah, I have. Okay. I've seen Liar Liar, too. And Men in Black. I've seen a lot of those. Uh, Look at you. I know. I was married in 97. Of course, I saw Titanic. (laughs) I wasn't, but I was I was dating a couple of girls, and we saw it a lot. I've seen it like six times in theaters. I was eight, <laughs> so I saw it on VHS later. It was two VHSs. Ooh, yeah, I remember that. Yep. I was working at the Blockbuster when it came out. Two VHSs. Was that like a nightmare when they came out? It was two, and you're like, God. No. Did they rewind both of them? They only did the first one. Of course, they only did the first one. <laughs> That's usually how that went. <laughs> they finished the second one, just stuck it back in the box. So, so, why do you think this movie is? You know, cool and 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 why do you think it's become such a, a cult favorite? I think all the reasons that we mentioned. I mean, it, it it plays on a lot of familiar horror tropes that people love. It plays on. It's easy to follow. Um, it uh, it's spooky in a lot of the right ways without being. You know, there aren't many cheap scares in it. I, I hate that kind of stuff. Right. And psychologically spooky. There's a lot of psychological thriller to it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, playing on the. Uh, familiar horror, familial horror is what I'm trying to say, of your wife committing suicide, your son being disabled, you know, somebody that trusted you burning alive. You know, I mean, it really hits a lot of the same spots that I think the Hellraiser movies, the good ones, really tie into. So not like Deader or Hellworld. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but in that way, it held I'm glad up. I could just name some Hellraiser bad movies. <laughs> But, the, I mean, the, look at the cast also. I mean, Isaac's 
He's a Star Trek captain now. He's in nine Harry Potter films or eight or however many there were. And he's the Grand Inquisitor. You know, Pertwee, so, you know, went so on to be a genre more, actor. Like it has to do with the fact that they became really famous, and so they people enjoy watching it just because it's like, oh, I just I think can they're that good. I, think, I, agree. I, I think, mean, they are good, but fan, I mean, casting was perfect. Jolie Richardson was on Nip Tuck for how many seasons? Right. I mean, she's very famous. And, uh, and I mean, uh, uh, my the name is slipping my mind, but um, Richard T. Jones is everywhere. He's on all kinds of cop shows, and he was on yeah. the Sarah Connor Chronicles. And he was oh, good I mean, and Fishburne's a legend. I yeah. mean, it's not just in genre films, but in '90s films before this. Right. I mean, the Spike Lee movies, and Boys but and he Hood. but he's been Perry White and Bill Foster in the in the Marvel and DC movies, and Ike Turner. <laughs> Yeah, well, okay. out of me. <laughs> Do what out of me. <laughs> he was nominated for an Oscar for, for, for that. Yeah, sure. So. I mean, he's a hell of an actor. Uh, do you know his first film? Um, not Pee Wee's Playhouse. No, that doesn't as a film. He was Cowboy Curtis on Pee Wee's Playhouse, a role he loved. So, um, was it one of the Spike Lee movies? No, Apocalypse Now. Really? Yeah, he's very young. And he, he lied about his age, much like a lot of the Vietnam uh, soldiers did back then. And he's one he's he's a young guy on the boat. I had no idea. Yeah, go back and watch the Packers now. Wow. Look at like little baby Lawrence Fishburne. He's like so he's seventeen. Been, he's been doing it for forty something yeah, years. Yeah, he's like seventeen wow. in that movie. It's crazy. <laughs> so what do you like about it? What do you why, why do you think it's such a cult classic? Because it holds up. Then you can still go watch it. I mean, and for you, for your your I mean, from your first time watching it, what was your perspective? I mean, you're not expecting what going. I mean, you. You had no idea what I knew it was a horror film, and I think I expected more jumps because that is a lot of horror films now, is the jumps right and being creepy. But it wasn't. I could watch it without hiding. Right. Yeah. So do you so like horror? I do. I just have to. I have to have crochet. <laughs> I have to have my yarn. Well, you have to have your own. I mean, I'm watching yeah. a lot of movies, but you usually have your yarn. Okay, your usually, yarn. it's like Scotty comes over, and then I pull the yarn bag over. Right, I'm like, right. it's fine, Scotty. Yeah, you so. know, you know. I need to move my hands. Um, this movie um, did not do well, of course, in the box office. Its opening weekend was like nine million, um, and its gross was twenty six total. Um, but uh, much like a lot of the, especially the movies that we do on this podcast, it found a. Uh, I love on home video, which is a, I think now it's kind of going to be a lost art with streaming. I'm not sure streaming has that. Well, things get lost in the category in right. the catalog, right? And I mean, the, well, not just the catalog, but the algorithm itself doesn't push things like that up. Anymore. That's right. So, I mean, I'm not trying to be the old guy like we need video stores, but there's a there, there's something to said about being bored on a Friday night, going to go look for a movie and just going to, oh, that's cool box art. I'll try that. We don't have that anymore. So. Well, what's funny about that is um, my kid always wants to watch a movie uh, before bed or something. So we're clicking through stars, trying to find something she can watch for 20 minutes. She's five. Um, and I just clicked on the cult category on stars and there's Event Horizon, yeah, Event Horizon right there. So I mean, they, they did have it in there with only like eight or nine other movies. So it was spotlit there. Right. That's how I knew I could go. I have it on DVD somewhere, Right. but it was just easier in the middle of the night last night when I couldn't sleep to pull it up on stars and, and watch it there in the living room. Yeah, I, I, I bought the Blu-ray a couple of years ago at like a, 
Black Friday sale and never opened it until this podcast. I broke it open right before I came into your house where we watched it. Well, that's play. fun, though. I mean, it's like surprising yourself. I have a lot of movies like oh, yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know. Good stuff. You know, stuff you know you pick up that I know I like, but I'll eventually get back to it. But like most cult movies, it has so much uh, in the fabric. There's, there's humor. Cooper right. in particular. Oh, yeah. um, there's a lot of good lines that you remember. Um, there's a lot of good moments like we talked about the heroic moments right. whether they make sense or not they're really well pulled off I think better than a lot of what's done in the certainly the Star Wars prequels right I mean because you're rooting Baby Bear they set that up so you give a damn you right, don't want right. Baby Bear to explode because right. he's like he wakes up you're like, he's like oh shit what did I do right. and he's also a character that we we kind of don't really know he's, he's quick in there and he is that section sacrificial lamb but we know he's young and you know eager and we, we want to root for that. And even when he when he's in danger, that makes us feel it. Yeah. I mean, to call out a movie from just recently, Dark Phoenix. Have you, did you see Dark Phoenix? I did. All right. So, setting aside that it just goes left field from whatever the story, but, but setting it in its own cinematic universe, we only had Jean Grey for a half a, half another movie. Yep. And then that we're forced to kind of feel for her. Yep. Because she's Sansa, I guess. I'm not sure. And so, well, she has an ounce more emotion than Sansa, but right, only but, an ounce. But, and so, I'm, I don't feel that connection. I know Jean Grey, but that's hashtag not my Jean Grey. <laughs> but some of that's in the writing. I mean, right. honestly, um, there are things I really love about Dark Phoenix. It's a crap movie, but I still enjoy a lot of it. Um, not that I'm probably going to ever rewatch it again but there's just that fight scene is really good right but when that's all you can say about me but for event horizon there's so much more than that and it's every scene from start to finish is enjoyable or captivating in some way and i think that's what makes it a cult classic like some of the other you know not well received horror movies the hellraiser movies they don't hold up very well if you if you watch them for quality you're watching them for the wrong reason, but if you're watching them for the moments, for the one-liners, for Doug Bradley's voice, um, for some of the things that are unintentionally funny, you know they're they're amazing. They're such an entertaining watch. I think this is a better film than all of those films, honestly, from front to back. Um, and I like the guy's other work. I love Pandorum for a lot of the same reasons. Right. Pandorum is well, fun. Pandorum is the what we would call the the spiritual sequel to this. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There it has a lot in common. Um, plus. Uh, Who's the actor? Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid, yeah. He's so good in that movie. The, the, um, For the little time the, he's in it. The, but. Saint, the singer of the Quaid movies. <laughs> uh, my favorite Dennis Quaid movie is a movie that we're also going to do this podcast called Dreamscape. So I'm looking forward to that. Not Dragonheart? Uh, maybe eventually, but Dreamscape first. <laughs> Gotta do Dreamscape first. Because I really want to show Justine the Dreamscape. And be like, so she can just be like, WTF. <laughs> <laughs> I probably will too. You still be WTF. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, so Kevin, tell us about what you got going on. Um, a lot. I make way too many comics. I spend way too much time making comics, but it's fun. Um, um right gonna, now. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, well, tonight, you know, uh, way before anybody hears this podcast, we have a Kickstarter ending for a, uh, a pro wrestling comic for one of the the glow ladies from the uh, 1980s right and but but as of this recording it's it's successful it's, it's doubled its initial goal so we are very happy so when she's when people, very happy right so when uh when everyone hears this on in two days from now that you know you'll yeah be uh i had a, another successful kickstarter to your list yep and we're launching another one on sunday for uh, an 80 page graphic novel for the um legendary russian wrestling heel nikolai volkov a good friend of ours who unfortunately passed away last year 
Um, and we'll have lots of autographed uh, comics from previous campaigns that he helped us out with before he passed away. Um, comics, cards, and a, and a really gorgeous 80-page uh, graphic novel illustrated by another legend, Del Barris, who illustrated Spider-Man, Conan the Barbarian in the 70s. And really great artist. Um, I, I, I remember a story you told me uh, that Nikolai was telling you about water. Yeah, he was a he's a health nut. Ironically, um, died of heart disease, unfortunately last year. But he was a real health nut all through his entire life. He was a bodybuilder before he was a weightlifter before he was a wrestler. And um, we had dinner with him um, at Daytona Beach Comic Con two years ago. And he was telling us uh, he was scolding us because we had ice in our water. He said it's bad for digestion. You should have room temperature water. And every time I met the guy, every time I broke bread with him. He insisted that I get hot water for dinner. That actually occurred to me today where Penny got me a glass of water and I just went to drink it. I was like, oh, thanks. Could she use the hot? And so I drank it. No. No. <laughs> Especially when you think it's going to be cold yeah, water and it yeah. was warm. Yeah. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It tastes so tepid and gross. Do the ice. So was he Russian? No, he was Romanian. Romanian. Okay. Yeah. It's still cold there. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, someone's got to guard, guard those vaults where they keep a Vin Horizon and other movies. <laughs> yeah, the, the irony of it is that he uh, he escaped communism, um, immigrated illegally to Canada, and um, uh, then came to the United States and gained citizenship. So he was actually very anti-communism. <laughs> but how how very what, pro-capitalism for him? He's like anything for a buck, we'll do it. Hey, he became a God star. Love God love him. He did. He was. I mean, I remember yeah, him. Wrestling. Absolutely. Yeah, as a kid, so and I and I had I had the pleasure of meeting him uh, once in Mississippi. Yeah, at at Mississippi Comic Con up in Jackson. Yeah. Great guy. He was wonderful. We really miss guys. him. We're over again. Um, but uh, I, I know you have another book uh, in the works, uh, the Absentee. Yeah, with uh, our friend Rando Dixon, a local artist here, an amazing which, local artist, fitting our theme. The, the 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 grand bartender of all Mobile. That's true, Randolph Dixon. Uh, also, artist. I'm having lunch with Rando tomorrow to plot out our Kickstarter. For uh, the absentee issue four, he's working on issue five, and we're issue and a half from being done, having a complete story. So, so, so tell the folks at home, tell our fellow cultists, um, a little bit about the absentee. Um, the absentee is a story of an um, explorer working for a co- corporation that's looking for clean energy, and they go to an interdimensional source. They send him in this vehicle to another dimension to harvest energy there, uh, so as not to use our own energy. And he encounters things there, not unlike Event Horizon, uh, and that when he comes back, he's not quite himself anymore. Does he have um, eyes? He does have eyes oh, the good. entire oh, time. Good, no, good, good. Because where no. he was going, they needed them. <laughs> yes, they did because need them. Because back in these glasses, him. suddenly, yeah. he's like, I can't see well. I don't where know. you go, you need contact. So <laughs> he comes back possessed um, by an energy. Where, where you go, you need Lasix. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm done. <laughs> he comes back possessed by like an energy demon that takes over his body gives him gives the human uh the energy body and then the energy demon proceeds to seduce his wife and take over his whole life while he's trapped in this immaterial body so he has to get all the, that back while fighting against this demon all right that's great pretty pretty trippy issues. crazy story it's, it's, it's a, i've read for a few issues it's really awesome so uh, and I'm, I knew you had a new one coming out. I'm so excited to have you here. You got figured Event Horizon would be a perfect movie to pair with the absentee. Yeah, um, I mean you can tell the influence um, on if anybody that reads my work of uh, Barker in particular, but 
like I said, this this feels like a Barker-esque movie to me, and that's just, just what speaks to me. Nothing wrong with that at all. So where can everyone find your uh, your comics? Inversepress.com as our full catalog. Um, on Facebook, just search for Inverse Press uh, at Inverse Press on Twitter. And you might see them in shows. They're all on the region there. They pop up all kinds of shows. Yeah, all throughout the Southeast. So, very cool. Well, Kevin, thank you very much for coming. Absolutely, it's fun. for hanging out with us about Event Horizon. Um, this is Scotty saying this is our contribution to the multiverse. Go out and make yours. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Mobcast Network.